Act Five. This way the king will come. This is the way to Julius Caesar's ill-erected tower, to whose flint bosom my condemned lord is doomed to prison about proud Bolingbroke. Here, let us rest, if this rebellious earth have any resting for her true king's queen. My fair rose wither, yet look up, behold, that you in pity may dissolve to do, and wash him fresh again with true love tears. Ah, thou, the model where old Troy did stand, thou map of honour, thou King Richard's tomb, and not King Richard, thou most beauteous inn, why should hard-favoured grief be lodged in thee, when triumph is become an alehouse guest? Join not with grief, fair woman. Do not so, to make my end too sudden. Learn, good soul, to think our former state a happy dream, from which awaked the truth of what we are shows us but this. I am sworn, brother sweet, to grim necessity, and he and I will keep a league till death. Hie thee to France, and cloister thee in some religious house. Our holy lives must win a new world's crown, which our profane hours here have stricken down. What? Is my Richard both in shape and mind transformed and weakened? Hath Bolingbroke deposed thine intellect? Hath he been in thy heart? The lion dying thrusteth forth his paw, and wounds the earth, if nothing else with rage to be overpowered. And wilt thou, pupil-like, take thy correction mildly? Kiss the rod, and fawn on rage with base humility, which art a lion and a king of beasts. A king of beasts, indeed. If aught but beasts, I had been still a happy king of men. Good sometime queen, prepare thee hence for France. Think I am dead, and that even here thou takest as from my deathbed thy last living leave. In winter's tedious nights, Sit by the fire with good old folks and let them tell thee tales of woeful ages long ago betid, and ere thou bid good night to quite their griefs, tell thou the lamentable tale of me, and send the hearers weeping to their beds. For why the senseless brands will sympathize the heavy accent of thy moving tongue, and in compassion weep the fire out, and some will mourn in ashes. Some coal black for the deposing of a rightful king. My lord, the mind of Bolingbroke is changed. We must do pomfret, not unto the tower. And, madam, there is order taken for you. With all swift speed, you must await to France. Northumberland, thou ladder wherewithal the mounting Bolingbroke ascends my throne. The time shall not be many hours of age more than it is, ere foul sin gathering head shall break into corruption. Thou shalt think, though he divide the realm and give thee half, it is too little, helping him to all, 
and he shall think that thou, which knowst the way to plant unrightful kings, wilt know again, being ne'er so little urged, another way to pluck him headlong from the usurped throne. The love of wicked men converts to fear, that fear to hate, and hate turns one or both to worthy danger and deserved death. My guilt be on my head, and there an end. Take leave and part, for you must part forthwith. <laughs> Doubly divorced. Bad men. You violate a twofold marriage, twixt my crown and me, and then betwixt me and my married wife. Let me unkiss the oath twixt thee and me. And yet not so, for with kissed was made. Part us, Northumberland. I toward the north, where shivering cold and sickness pines the clime. My wife to France, from whence set forth in pomp, she came adorned hither like sweet May, sent back like hollow mass, or shorts to day. And must we be divided? Must we part? Aye, hand from hand, my love, and heart from heart. Banish us both, and send the king with me. That were some love, but little policy. Then whither he goes, thither let me go. So two together weeping make one woe. Weep thou for me in France, I for thee here. Better far off than near, be nearer than here. Go, count thy way with sighs, I mine with groans. So longest way shall have the longest moans. Twice for one step I'll groan, the way being short, and piece the way out with a heavy heart. Come, come. In wooing sorrow, let's be brief, since wedding it there is such length in grief. One kiss shall stop our mouths and dumbly part. Thus give I mine, and thus take I thy heart. Give me mine own again. T'were no good part to take on me to keep and kill thy heart. So, now I have mine own again. Be gone, that I might strive to kill it with a groan. <laughs> We make woe wanton with this fond delay. Once more adieu, the rest let sorrow say. My lord, you told me you would tell the rest, when weeping made you break the story off of our two cousins coming into London. Where did I leave? At that sad stop, my lord, when rude misgoverned hands from windows tops threw dust and rubbish on King Richard's head. Then as I said, the Duke, Great Bolingbroke, mounted upon a hot and fiery steed, which his aspiring rider seemed to know, with slow but stately pace, kept on his course. Whilst all tongues cried, God save thee, Bolingbroke! You would have thought the very windows spake. So many greedy looks of young and old through casements darted their desiring eyes upon his visage, and that all the walls with painted imagery had said at once, Jesu preserve thee! Welcome, Bolingbroke! Whilst he, from the one side to the other turning bareheaded, lower than his proud steed's neck, bespake them thus, I thank you, countrymen! And thus, still doing, thus he passed along, 
Alack, poor Richard. Where rode he the whilst? As in theatre, the eyes of men after a well-graced actor leaves the stage are idly bent on him that enters next, thinking his prattle to be tedious. Even so, or with much more contempt, men's eyes did scowl on gentle Richard. No man cried God save him. No joyful tongue gave him his welcome home. But dust was thrown upon his sacred head, which with such gentle sorrow he shook off, his face still combating with tears and smiles, the badges of his grief and patience that had not God, for some strong purpose, steeled the hearts of men, and was perforce and have melted, and barbarism itself had pitied him. But heaven hath a hand in these events, to whose high will we bound our calm contents. To Bolingbroke, are we sworn subjects now? Whose state and honour eye for eye allow? Here comes my daughter Amelie. Our Merle that was, but that is lost for being Richard's friend. And, madam, we must call her Rutland now. I am in Parliament pledge for her truth, and lasting fealty to the new-made king. Welcome, my daughter. Who are the violets now that strew the green lap of the new-come spring? Madam, I know not. Nor I greatly care not. God knows I had as lief be none as one. Well, bear you well in this new spring of time, lest you be cropped before you come to prime. What news from Oxford? Hold those justs and triumphs? For aught I know, my lord, they do. You will be there, I know. If God prevent not, I purpose so. What seal is that that hangs without thy bosom? Yea, looks thou pale? Let me see the writing. My lord, tis nothing. No matter then who see it, I will be satisfied. Let me see the writing. I, I do beseech your grace to pardon me. It is a matter of small consequence, which for some reasons I would not have seen. Which for some reasons, lady, I mean to see. I fear. I fear. What should you fear? Tis nothing but some bond that he entered into for gay apparel against the triumph day. Bound to himself? What doth he with a bond that he's bound to? Wife, thou art a fool. Girl, let me see the writing. I do beseech you. Pardon me. I may not show it. I will be satisfied. Let me see it, I say. Treason! Foul treason! Villain! Traitor! Slave! What is the matter, my lord? Ho! Oh, who is within there? Saddle my horse. God for his mercy, what treachery is here! Why? What is it, my lord? Give me my boots, I say. Saddle my horse. Now! By mine honour, by my life, by my troth, I will appeach the villain. What is the matter? Peace, foolish woman. I will not peace. What is the matter, Amelie? Good mother, be content. It is no more than my poor life must answer. Thy life answer. Bring me my boots. I will unto the king. Strike him, Amelie. Poor girl, thou art amazed. Hence, villain, never more come into my sight. Give me my boots, I say. Why, York, what wilt thou do? Wilt thou not, wilt thou not hide the trespass of thine own? Have we more kids? Or are we like to have? Is not my teeming date drunk up with time? And wilt thou pluck my fair girl from mine age and rob me of a happy mother's name? Is she not like thee? Is she not thine own? Thou fond mad woman. Wilt thou conceal this dark conspiracy? 
A dozen of them have taken the sacrament and interchangeably set down their hands to kill the king at Oxford. She shall be none. We'll keep her here. Then what is that to him? Away, fond woman. Were she twenty times my daughter, I would impeach him. Hadst thou grown for her as I have done, thou wouldst be more pitiful. But now I know thy mind. Thou dost suspect that I have been disloyal to thy bed, and that she is a bastard, not thy child. Oh, sweet York, sweet husband, be not of that mind. She is as like thee as a man may be, not like to me or any of my kin, and yet I love her. Make way, unruly woman! After Amelie! Mount thee upon his horse, spur post, and get before him to the king and beg thy pardon ere he do accuse thee. I'll not be long behind, though I be old, I doubt not but to ride as fast as York, and never will I rise up from the ground till Bolingbroke have pardoned thee. Away, be gone! Can no man tell me of my unthrifty son? Tis full three months since I did see him last. If any plague hang over us, tis he. I would to God, my lords, he might be found. Inquire at London, amongst the taverns there, for there they say he daily doth frequent with unrestrained, loose companions. Even such they say as stand in narrow lanes and beat our watch and rob our passengers, which he, young wanton and effeminate boy, takes on point of honor to support so dissolute a crew. Some two days since I saw the prince and told him of those triumphs held at Oxford. And what said the gallant? His answer was, he would unto the stews, and from the commonest creature pluck a glove, and wear it as a favor. And with that, he would unhorse the lustiest challenger. As dissolute as desperate, and through both I see some sparks of better hope, which elder years may happily bring forth. But who comes here? Where is the king? What means our cousin that she stares and looks so wildly? God save your grace. I do beseech your majesty to let me have some conference with your grace. Alone. Withdraw yourselves and leave us here alone. What is the matter with our cousin now? Forever may my knees grow to the earth, my tongue cleave to the roof within my mouth, unless a pardon ere I rise or speak. Intended or committed was this fault. If on the first how heinous ere it be to win thy after-love, I pardon thee. Then give me leave that I may turn the keys that no man enter till my tale be done. Have thy desire. My liege, beware. Look to thyself. Thou hast a traitor in thy presence there. Villain, I'll make thee safe. Stay thy revengeful hand. Thou hast no cause to fear. Open the door, secure, foolhardy king. Shall I for love speak treason to thy face? Open the door, I will break it down. What is the matter, uncle? Speak, recover breath. Tell us how near is danger that we may arm us to encounter it. Peruse this writing here, and thou shalt know the treason that my haste forbids me show. Remember, as thou reads thy promise past, I do repent me. Read not my name there. My, my heart is not confederate with my hand. It was villain. 
Ere thy hand did set it down, I tore it from the traitor's bosom king. Fear, and not love, begets her penitence. Forget to pity her, lest thy pity prove a serpent that will sting thee to the heart. Oh, heinous, strong, and bold conspiracy. Oh, loyal father of a treacherous daughter. Thou sheer immaculate and silver fountain from when this stream through muddy passages hath held her current and defiled herself. Thy overflow of good converts to bad, and thy abundant goodness shall excuse this deadly blot in thy digressing child. So shall my virtue be her vice's board, and she shall spend mine honour with her shame, as thriftless children their scraping father's gold. Mine honour lives when her dishonour dies, or my shamed life in her dishonour lies. Thou kiltst me in her life, giving her breath. The traitor lives, the true man's put to death. What ho, my liege, for God's sake, let me in! What shrill voice supplicant makes this eager cry? A woman, and thy aunt, great king, tis I. Speak with me, pity me, open the door. A beggar begs that never begged before. Our scene is altered from a serious thing and now changed to the beggar and the king. My dangerous cousin, let your mother in. I know she is come to pray for your foul sin. If thou do pardon whosoever pray, more sins for this forgiveness prosper may. This festered joint cut off, the rest rests sound. This let alone with all the rest confound. O king, believe not this hard-hearted man. Love loving not itself, none other can. Thou frantic woman, what dost thou make here? Shall thy old dugs once more a traitor rear? Sweet York, be patient. Hear me, gentle liege. Rise up, good aunt. Not yet, I thee beseech. Forever will I walk upon my knees, and never see day that the happy sees, till thou give joy, until thou bid me joy. By pardoning Rutland, my transgressing girl. Unto my mother's prayers I bend my knee. Against them both my true joints bended be. I'll mayst thou thrive if thou grant any grace. Pleads she in earnest? Look upon her face. Her eyes do drop no tears. Her prayers are in a jest. Her words come out her mouth. Ours from our breast. She prays but faintly and would be denied. We pray with heart and soul and all beside. Her weary joints would gladly rise, no. Our knees shall kneel till the ground they grow. Her prayers are full of false hypocrisy. Ours of true zeal and deep integrity, our prayers do outpray hers. Then let them have that mercy which true prayer ought to have. Good aunt, stand up. Nay, do not say stand up. Say pardon first and afterwards stand up. And if I were thy nurse, and if I were thy nurse, thy tongue to teach, pardon should be the first word of thy speech. I never longed to hear a word till now. Say pardon, King. Let pity teach thee how the word is short, but not so short as sweet. No word like pardon. King's mouth so meet. Speak it in French, King. Say pardon moi. Dost thou teach pardon, pardon to destroy? Huh? 
my sour husband, my hard-hearted lord. That sets the word itself against the word. Speak pardon, as tis current in our land, the chopping French we do not understand. Thine eye begins to speak, set thy tongue there. Or in thy piteous heart plant thou thine ear, that hearing how our plaints and prayers do pierce, pity may move thee pardon to rehearse. Good aunt, stand up. I do not suit to stand. Pardon is all the suit I have in hand. I pardon her, as God shall pardon me. Yet I am sick with fear. Speak it again. Twice saying pardon doth not pardon twain, but makes one pardon strong. With all my heart I pardon her. A god on earth thou art. But for our trusty brother-in-law and the abbot, with all the rest of that consorted crew, destruction straight shall dog them at the heels. Good uncle, help to order several powers to Oxford, or where'er these traitors are. They shall not live within this world, I swear, but I will have them if I once know where. Uncle, farewell, and cousin, too, adieu. Your mother hath well prayed, and prove you true. Come, my old girl. I pray God make thee new. Didst thou not mark the king, what words he spake? Have I no friend will rid me of this living fear? Was it not so? These were his very words. Have I no friend, quoth he? He spake it twice, and urged it twice together, did he not? He did. And speaking it, he wistly looked on me, and who should say, I would thou wert the man that would divorce this terror from my heart? Meaning the king at Pomfret. Come, let's go. I am the king's friend and will rid his foe. I have been studying how I may compare this prison where I live unto the world. And for because the world is populous, and here is not a creature but myself, I cannot do it. Yet, I'll hammer it out. My brain I'll prove the female to my soul, my soul the father, and these two beget a generation of still-breeding thoughts. And these same thoughts people this little world, in humors like the people of this world, for no thought is contented. The better sort, as thoughts of things divine, are intermixed with scruples, and do set the word itself against the word, as thus, Come, little ones, and then again, it is as hard to come as for a camel to thread the postern of a small needle's eye. Thoughts tending to ambition, they do plot unlikely wonders. How these vain, weak nails may tear a passage through the flinty ribs of this hard world, my ragged prison walls, and, for they cannot, die in their own pride. Thoughts tending to content flatter themselves that they are not the first of fortune slaves, nor shall not be the last. 
like silly beggars who sitting in the stocks refuge their shame that many have and others must sit there. And in this thought, they find a kind of ease, bearing their own misfortunes on the back of such as have before endured the like. Thus play I, in one person, many people, and none contented. Sometimes am I king. Then treason makes me wish myself a beggar. And so I am. Then, crushing penury persuades me I was better when a king. Then am I kinged again. And by and by, think that I am unkinged by Bolingbroke. And straight am nothing. But whatever I be, nor I nor any man that but man is, with nothing shall be pleased, till he be eased with being nothing. Music do I hear? I have been studying how I may compare this prison where I live unto the world. And for because the world is populous, and here is not a creature but myself, I cannot do it. Yet, I'll hammer it out. My brain I'll prove the female to my soul, my soul the father. And these two beget a generation of still-breeding thoughts. And these same thoughts people this little world in humors like the people of this world. For no thought is contented. <laughs> the better sort, as thoughts of things divine, are intermixed with scruples and do set the word itself against the word as thus. Come, little ones. And then again, it is as hard to come as for a camel to thread the postern of a small needle's eye. Thoughts tending to ambition, they do plot unlikely wonders. How these vain, weak nails may tear a passage through the flinty ribs of this hard world, my ragged prison walls. And, for they cannot, die in their own pride. Thoughts tending to content flatter themselves that they are not the first of fortune slaves, nor shall not be the last. Like silly beggars who sitting in the stocks refuge their shame that many have and others must sit there, and in this thought they find a kind of V's, bearing their own misfortunes on the back of such as have before endured the like. Thus play I in one person many people, and none contented. Sometimes am I a king, and then treasons make me wish myself a beggar, and so I am. Then crushing penury persuades me I was better when a king, then am I kinged again, and by and by think that I am unkinged by Bolingbroke and straight am nothing. But whate'er I be, nor I nor any man that but man is, with nothing shall be pleased till he be eased, with being nothing.
music do I hear? Ah, <laughs> uh, keep time. How sour sweet music is when time is broken, no proportion kept. <sighs> so is it in the music of men's lives. And here have I the daintiness of ear to check time broken a disordered string. But for the concord of my state and time, had not the ear to hear my true time broke. I wasted time, and now doth time waste me. For now hath time made me his numbering clock. My thoughts are minutes, and with sighs they jar the watches on unto mine eyes, the outward watch, whereto my finger like a dial's point is pointing still in cleansing them from tears. Now, sir, the sound that tells what hour it is are clamorous groans, which strike upon my heart, which is the bell. So sighs and tears and groans show minutes, times, and hours. But my time runs posting on in Bolingbroke's proud joy while I stand fooling here. His jack of the clock. Ah, this music mads me. Let it sound no more, for though it have whole madmen in their wits, in me it seems it will make wise men mad. <sighs> Yet blessing on his heart that gives it me. For tis a sign of love. And love to Richard is a strange brooch in this all-hating world. Hail, royal prince. Thanks, noble peer. The cheapest of us is ten groats too dear. What art thou? And how comest thou hither where no man never comes but that sad dog that brings me food to make misfortune live? I was a poor groom of thy stable, king, when thou wert king, who, travelling towards York, with much ado at length have gotten leave to look upon my sometimes royal master's face. Oh, how it yearned my heart when I beheld in the London streets that coronation day when Bolingbroke rode on Roan Barbary, that horse that thou so often hast bestrid, that horse that I so carefully have dressed. Rode he on Barbary? Tell me, gentle friend, how went he under him? So proudly as if he disdained the ground. So proud that Bolingbroke was on his back? That jade hath eat bread from my royal hand. This hand hath made him proud with clapping him. Would he not stumble? Would he not fall down? Since pride must have a fall, and break the neck of that proud man that did usurp his back. Forgiveness, horse. Why do I rail on thee, since thou created to be awed by man? was born to bear. I was not made a horse, and yet I bear a burden like an ass, spurred, galled, and tired by jouncing Bolingbroke. Fellow, give place. Here is no longer stay. Tis time thou wert away. What my tongue dares not, that my heart shall say. My lord, wilt please you to fall to? Taste of it first, as thou art wont to do. My lord, I dare not. Sir Pierce of Exton, who lately came from the king, commands the contrary. The devil take Henry of Lancaster and thee. Patience is stale, and I am weary of it. Help! 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 
hell now. What means death in this rude assault? Villain, thy own hand yields thy death's instrument. Hell, hell. Go now and fill another room in hell. That hand shall burn in never-quenching fire. That staggers thus my person. Exton. Thy fierce hand hath wit the king's blood, stained the king's own land. Mount. Mount, my soul. Thy seat is up on high, whilst my gross flesh sinks downward. Here to die. As full of valor as of royal blood, both have I spilled. Oh, would the deed were good! For now the devil that told me I did well says that this deed is chronicled in hell. This dead king to the living king I'll bear. Take hence the rest and give them burial here. Kind Uncle York. The latest news we hear is that the rebels have consumed with fire our town of Sissister in Gloucestershire. But whether they be tain or slain, we hear not. Welcome, my lord. What is the news? First, to thy sacred state wish I all happiness. The next news is, I have London sent to heads of Oxford, Salisbury, Blunt, and Kent. The manner of their taking may appear at large discoursed in this paper here. We thank thee, gentle Percy, for thy pains, and to thy worth will add right worthy gains. My lord, I have from Oxford sent to London the heads of Brocus and Sir Bennet Seeley, two of the dangerous consorted traitors that sought at Oxford thy dire overthrow. Thy pains, Fitzwater, shall not be forgot. Right noble is thy merit, well I wot. The Grand Conspirator, Abbot of Westminster, with clog of conscience and sour melancholy, hath yielded up his body to the grave. Carlyle, this is your doom. Choose out some secret place, some reverend room, more than thou hast, and with it joy thy life. So as thou livest in peace, die free from strife, for though mine enemy thou hast ever been, high sparks of honor in thee have I seen. Great King, within this coffin I present thy buried fear. Herein all breathless lies the mightiest of thy greatest enemies, Richard of Bordeaux, by me hither brought. Exton, I thank thee not, for thou hast wrought a deed of slander with thy fatal hand upon my head and all this famous land. From your own mouth, my lord, did I this deed. They love not poison that do poison need, nor do I thee, though I did wish him dead. I hate the murderer, love him murdered. The guilt of conscience take thou for thy labor, but neither my good word nor princely favor. With Cain go wander through the shades of night, and never show thy head by day nor light. Lords, I protest, my soul is full of woe, that blood should sprinkle me to make me grow. Come mourn with me, for that I do lament, and put on sullen black incontinent. 
I'll make a voyage to the Holy Land to wash this blood off from my guilty hand. March sadly after, grace my mornings here in weeping after this untimely beer. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show. Richard II, Act 5. Featuring the voice talents of Gareth Seven as the Duke of York, Catherine Pride as the Duchess of York, Christopher Gilstrap as Henry Bolingbroke, Jose Donado as King Richard II, Natalia Orlovsky as the Duchess of Ormel, Olivia Steele as the Queen, Pete Lutz as Sir Pierce of Exton, Hannah Jancondel as the Groom, Pete Mylan as the Keeper, Vincent Morrison as the Earl of Northumberland, Susan Evind as Henry Percy, James Rossi as the Servant, and Dave Morgan as Lord Fitzwater. Written by William Shakespeare, adapted for audio by Landon Bell, directed by George Linfield, Assistant Director Joel Rowan. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2019 Pendant Productions.